Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and I have a neighbor from Virginia with me today, Scott Danner from Freedom Street. Scott, say hello to our audience. Hello, audience, and Kevin, thank you so much for having me. I was just telling you how grateful I am to be a guest on your show today. Well, it's uh, it's been fun to kind of chat before we hit the hit the big red record button. But uh, Scott, if you and I met at like a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me? I love this question because I'm going to add a quick caveat, and it's because I always want people to know me as the human before they know me as the professional. And that's a part of who I am. So the first thing I would do is I'd probably try to avoid for a second exactly what I do so that we could meet each other on a different plane. And then if we got to the point where we're talking about what we do, which is the, the key to your question, and I understand it, I would say I, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm the CEO of a financial advisor firm or company called Freedom Street Partners. And, uh, and we have offices all over the Southeast and even one in the Midwest. Uh, we have about 16 offices and um, we have uh, 44 advisors and we manage just under $3 billion combined. Um, I'm also the author of a book I just published in September called Freedom Street, How I Learned to Create a Rich Life, uh, live, live My Legacy and Own the Future as a Financial Advisor. And, um, you know, Freedom Street is a common theme in that, and that usually triggers some questions. Well, I certainly have questions, but I, I want to dig down a little bit into just the history. Like, you know, nobody just wakes up and I'm a financial planner. I mean, did you study in university for that? Was that kind of the direction you were headed? I mean, you, you think you mentioned you worked actually in the district attorney's office here earlier. So yeah, at the, at the AG's, at, for the attorney general. So I was a criminal justice major in college. I honestly was going to go into law enforcement. I had no interest in this industry whatsoever, to be honest and frank. Um, I was, uh, I got out, started working in the attorney general's office as assistant director of crime prevention for Virginia. And I had a really cool position on the sixth floor, on the appointed floor with, with the administration at the AG. And I got into doing a lot of, um, at the time, identity theft was kind of a big mm, thing. It yeah. was a new thing. It was fresh. Um, it was something that was innovative. I studied and learned and actually got to present for uh, conferences on identity theft. I learned financial crimes, financial frauds, investment fraud. Um, and I, I, became, I, I became a resource in that area. And it was interesting to me. Um, and then when Mark Early didn't win the election to be the governor, I didn't have a job. It was pretty simple. And uh, my aunt Paulette, who lived in Arkansas, was an assistant for an, a financial advisor at Edward Jones back then, who um, had a small amount of money I'd invested with him. And my aunt said, Scott, you would crush it at this. You were made for this kind of business. Why don't you apply and see where it goes? And I started learning and reading and learning and growing. And um, that was 20 years ago. So uh, I did not wake up and, uh, and just decided I was, I was kind of given a great opportunity from uh, one of my uh, great aunts who was uh, not a great aunt, but one of my right. wonderful aunts who have been instrumental in helping me grow as a, as a man. And, uh, and that was uh, how I led into it. And I spent 15 years at Edward Jones 
um, really developing my craft, my career. Um, I did a ton of leadership. I, I always say if I didn't have the leadership opportunities at Edward Jones that I did, um, I, 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 you know, as an entrepreneur at heart and its spirit and just knowing that about yourself, having just something a little different from the day to day gives you a spark, gives you this, this energy and training and leading and growing regions and, and developing talent. It was something I loved. So um, it was only natural to transition and build my own entity at some point in time. So um, that's the, the quick version. You know, normally there, there are two types of individuals that work for, for say large financial companies that, that uh, are almost like a franchise model type thing. So it's, it's the ones that, that are kind of go-getters and they really want to do well, but they're going to stay within the, the umbrella and framework of the, of the mothership. There's also this other category of people that just over time become almost unemployable. You know, they, they are, they have such an entrepreneurial bent to them, you know, a drive to them that they have to step out on their own. So walk us through that transition because that happens so often with our, with our guests on, on rising tide about, yeah, I used to work for this company and now I had to go out on my own. So what was that light bulb moment or that driver internally, you know, that, that kind of led you to transition to going out, out on your own? Yeah, I think like most big decisions, some of it is, is in your brain and some of it happens to you. And so I was in a position to take on a pretty, pretty good sized leadership role and didn't get it. And quite frankly, it made me reevaluate the whole direction of everything I was doing because everything I was building towards was that entrepreneurial spirit. But I was, I was getting that out by being a leader, by mm -hmm. developing a region. <clears throat> and, and when I was, when I kind of was told, um, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a little bit more of a wild card and you're not, a re we don't think you're a great manager. We think you're a, a really great leader, but we don't think you're a great manager. That had a light bulb in my brain that was like, man, I've always felt like I was being pulled. I've always felt like I'm unemployable. I've always felt like I need five things to do at once, not one thing to do at once. Mm. Maybe it's time. So I spent a, a good amount of time researching, evaluating, analyzing, and I really developed a strategy to uh, not only become independent, but become independent and create a platform that would make it easier for other advisors that had entrepreneurial spirit to want to do the same thing. And so um, I took all the things that kept me from doing it and created a platform that made it easier, that made it more palatable, that made it smoother. And um, on top of that, I also realized that the average age of a financial advisor in my industry through studying and research is 62 years old. Wow. There are more 80-year-olds in my industry than there are 30-year-olds in my industry. And in my 40s, my early 40s, the truth is there's a great big opportunity for us to help. And I was lucky enough to come up in a time where a lot of advisors failed. And they didn't stick with it because of the challenging environment of the 2000s mm -hmm. and the, 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 the downturns right. and the, the consecutive downturns that were, that were tough. And so um, to, to kind of to, to build that story a little deeper, once I saw those trends, I was able to develop a couple of different avenues within our company, uh, a space to, be, uh, to have advisors affiliate with us where they could tap into everything we had built and build their practice. But I believe the future of financial advice is in the relationship. It's in one-to-one -one conversations like you and I are having. It's not, it's not in trying to be the best um, stock picker or the best, you know, um, 
consultant. It's really about being a coach. It's about mm. being a, an accountability partner, about yeah. helping people and building relationships. And you can't do that if you're spending all your time on, on busy work and corporate mumbo jumbo. And entrepreneurs look for easy fixes and things that make life simple. And then they develop a better strategy to offer that to the world. And I did that. And we did that in our company. And then, then what we saw was as we started to interview and talk to some of the people that were interested in potentially selling their practices, it led me to write the book because I noticed that advisors and most business owners I have ever dealt with in my life, especially entrepreneurs, really struggle at the end of their career. They really struggle at the next chapter. They don't ever want to leave because right. their impact is connected to their business. And when your impact is connected to your business, it's really hard to disconnect. And so um, Freedom so Street- It's not a financial issue. It's, a, it's more of an identity issue. 100%. And, and what I found was if you're living a rich life, if you're not waiting for legacy to be something that you end with, but something that you're really building throughout your life and you want to own the future, if you were in those areas, those three main areas, you were highly successful and ready for the next chapter. If you weren't, then we had to work through that process. And that's really what, what I did with the book. It was, it was designed to reach more people and develop strategies and take what we've learned in our, in our business and replicate it, but make it smoother for any business owner, any entrepreneur. It's not financial advising is, is really the examples that are used because it's what I've known so mm -hmm. long, but as a financial advisor and a 20 year veteran in, in a, in a field, you kind of wake up and realize that you've been listening to people's stories for 20 years. You've been helping every business, not just one type clients that have you know, the spouse is, is in one industry and the other spouse is in another. And, and there's uniqueness to all this. And it's just, it's been such a, such a great journey. I just feel really grateful and blessed to have been on it. So when you're, when you're talking about freedom street, I don't want to, I don't want to put it in a box too tightly, but are you talking about, is this more about a second act? Is this more about finishing? Well, is this more about building a legacy? Is it all the above? Yeah. So I think it comes down to one question. What does freedom mean to you? See, freedom to all of us is something uniquely different. It's like financial freedom, right? You right. know, my, my father didn't come from hardly anything. And to him having a home that he was paying the mortgage on and could pay and could pay off one day in his life, a solid job that he showed up to every single day, you know, a family where all the, all three of us went to college I mean, that is the highest level of success. My dad was so proud and is proud to this day. And I'm proud of that. But, but to me, you know, I always had this vision of how can I take care of more people? How can I replicate these things? My, my brain was so far past the, the initial level of, of things that I felt were, were, um, were given because I was given a different opportunity than my father was. You know, I was given the ability to think bigger than mm -hmm. him. And so I, I bring that up because what freedom meant to me and what freedom meant to my dad are two different things. What yep. freedom to you is, and to me and all of our clients is unique. And so this is about transitioning to a life of freedom. What is it defining it? What is richness? What does rich mean to you? What does freedom mean to you? And then how can we live the legacy? And a legacy is leaving something better than you left, than you, than you, than you 
came into it at, right? I have, I have two children. We just talked briefly about your children. And uh, I think you said grandchildren mm-hmm. um, or grandchild, at least. Yeah, grandchildren, uh, yeah. Children. You know, the bottom line is one day we won't be here and they'll tell stories about us. And we really hope that they're great stories. But if you're in business, it's really great that not only do they tell great stories about your business, but they tell great stories about you as a human. Mm. And I, I really want to have that impact. And I really want to help people see that part of this, of this entrepreneur train that everybody loves riding. So let's, let's drill down a little bit on Freedom Street. So take me back to your time at Edward Jones. There was this, this opportunity you had, and then they, they selected someone else. They said they would, they needed a manager instead of a leader. So they went with the manager. And so you were all mentally, did you step outside the door right then? Did I mean, was that kind of like, yeah, it's kind of, I gotta, I gotta do something else. You almost like flip the switch. And so walk us to that transition. What happened? Sure. So, um, honestly, my initial, uh, opinion was, was, uh, was I was frustrated. I thought I had done everything right. And the truth is I came home and my wife had a bottle of champagne and two glasses waiting for me and she was celebrating. And Mm -hmm. I asked her why she was celebrating. And she was telling me that this wasn't my opportunity, that it wasn't the right fit for me. What a great And that I was, yeah. I mean, sometimes you need someone else to help you. Right. So uh, the first thing I did was actually the opposite of what my initial thought was. And that was, um, I went to the person that deserved the job, that was a better candidate than me, that absolutely was the right fit. And, and I admired and I said, hey, I'll be your number two. Let's, let's work together. I spent a year being his number two and working with him and developing his leadership. And then I separated. And then when I separated, um, you know, it was about six months after that, I kind of took a, took a step back and I spent all that time researching, reading, learning, growing. Um, and then I built a plan and the plan was to develop something first. You have to transition first. Mm -hmm. You have to have a successful transition. And I had about 93%, uh, ethically, legally non-solicited the way that I had to do it. Um, I had about 93% of my business stay with me and I had two partners that eventually came over and started this with me and we put all of our own money into it. And eventually one advisor at a time, we built it until we bought our first practice and our second and our third. And we just developed a strategy in and around that. And, you know, as I'm here in Charlotte visiting, uh, you know, for a soccer tournament for my youngest son, I, I, in one day I've met with four of our advisors and I am, I, I can't tell you how proud I am at what we have accomplished, but most importantly, the people we've surrounded ourselves with, it's, it's just all the right humans. And I'm, I'm very excited about how they're offering our vision to the world. Now, I mean, without, you cryptically said this, so you worked, you certainly adhered to the non-compete that, that you would have had, had to sign yeah. with Edward Jones, but um, I remember, I think I was watching another video you talked about, maybe there were two, like, um, maybe a, assistants at your practice where you were kind of, kind of a little mopey and they, they said, Hey, suck it up, buttercup. I mean, it's, you know, Oh man, go be yourself out here. Yeah. And during the transition, you know, um, I, I, uh, I made it, I made a couple calls where I announced that I had, I had left and, and, you know, I, I was allowed to do that. I, I can't ask anybody to come with me. And I, I was very, very, um, I was very, very careful. I, I believe in integrity. It's one of our, our core values in our company today. 
And I'm grateful to everything I learned from the previous company. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very thankful. I still think they're a great entity and I recommend them all the time. But the truth is I had given so much of myself to them that on that first couple of days, I was really in a tough spot. I couldn't, I, I, was, I was not, I didn't have the energy. And mm -hmm. my two assistants walked in um, who are great friends of mine. Uh, one is still with me today uh, and runs our marketing division. But um, they walked in and said, we won't have a job if you don't create some of that energy that makes you special. Just remember who you are and what we did this for and don't get caught up in the emotion. And every great coach still needs a coach occasionally, yep. yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, or all the time. Yep. And in that moment, they were, they were, uh, they were my coach. They elevated me to a better level. And, uh, and I'm very grateful to both of them. There's always people in your life that, that just show up right at the right time that, uh, you know, with the, with the right, right words. And if you surround yourself with quality people, that, that certainly is, is what's going to happen. So I I'm interested about your, the idea though, when you transitioned was the idea that I am just going to go out, I'm going to kind of go independent. Uh, I'm going to do my own financial planning service, or did you really have the vision that said, I'm creating a system. We're going to bring on a bunch of advisors. We're going to buy other financial, you know, advising services out there or, or offices out there and our agencies. And so what was the, what was the initial vision? Did, Take me back to that cocktail napkin that you wrote down. Yeah, wrote the initial vision, I, I sat down with Scott Curtis, who at the time was the head of the division at Raymond James. And I, and I, I was interviewing them and asking them while they also interviewed me, um, you know, what, what they could do for me. And I laid out that vision. I said, I want to buy practices. I want to develop a bigger brand. I want to be, I want to be bigger than, than anything I ever dreamed of. And what I've learned since I, I said this, I, I laid, I laid a lot of this out. Now, I wasn't sure how we were going to do it. I did not know how we were going to connect A to Z. Mm -hmm. And today, I still learn every day on better pathways and successful uh, you know, pivots on a regular basis. But, but the reality is that basic premise of what we were building was something that was, that was laid out and, and drafted. It was, a, it was a rough draft. So the rough draft was there. Very simple, very simple process. Number one on the napkin is average age of an advisor, 62. I'm, I'm, I'm 38, 39 at the time with 38, something like that. I'm in a really great spot. I, had, I was trained by all, the, by all the, the guys and gals that grew, that grew up in the industry in the 80s and 90s of just nothing but great times, right? Yep. And so they all went through the bad times with me for the first time of some of them. And mm -hmm. I got to experience that. I was in the great changeover of the fiduciary movement in our industry. And I embraced that kind of movement from the beginning. And some of the, the old garb were salespeople. Mm -hmm. And so I had served as this advocate between two generations already. I just found this niche to be very comforting to me. So the first thing was, I'm gonna build something that's great for people as they transition out of the industry. Well, when you do that and you build something great for people that transition out of the industry, it better be darn buttoned up, right? And if it's buttoned up, all of a sudden you wake up and you have something where other people can tap into it that maybe aren't ready to step out of the industry. And so it, it became a second part. Well, hey, maybe some other people can join us along the way 
and we developed a, a new avenue of the affiliate advisor that comes on and, and really uses everything we built and develop strategies. We have a mentality. I'm a big Jack Johnson fan. There's a song called better together. And, you know, I believe that one plus one doesn't equal two. I believe one plus one, if it's the right ones equals 10 times. Mm. And that's what we got. Every time we took one new additional person, we elevated and escalated the entity and the company and the business and the mission and the values by 10 times. So what's the what's the advantage of a of a financial advisor going from their current role to becoming an affiliate with you? Yeah, so I the business model, right? Yeah, I think I think one of the things we we help make the transitions easy. If they're coming from an employee platform, everything's done for them right now. Mm -hmm. You know, all their bills are paid. Every I mean, the printer breaks and somebody comes right. in and just fixes it in thirty seconds, and yeah. it's a big transition for people when you're on your own. That when yeah. your printer breaks, you got to fix it on your own, right? Um, but but the truth is, the first thing we do is the big rocks. We coordinated and scaled things that that our broker dealer Raymond James was already doing but we wanted to make it even even smoother. We we elevated and escalated compliance. We believed that the industry was moving to a more compliant area and arena and it was really important to have more time spent on those things, making sure clients were being taken care of in the right way. And that's a big fear for people in our industry, so we wanted to cover that fear. We built in investment management models because again, we we believe that the more time those advisors can spend with their, their individual client, the better the relationship's going to be, the better their business is going to be, and the better they're going to serve that client. So just take those two ideas, the marketing, I've created marketing initiatives. I've, I've invested in things where we have national contracts that save them 50, 60, 70% on things they couldn't afford to buy on their own, maybe, but together we're able to build something bigger. And mm -hmm. most of those things, we, 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 we do these things because it helps us become better too. You know, every time I've ever mentored somebody, I always became better at what I was doing. And I learned from that experience, not just the person that's being mentored, but me, the mentor, right. the mentee learns if I'm doing my job, but me, the mentor has always learned. And that's how I look at this business. So those are some of the things that really develop. But the last thing is the coaching and consulting. I've always been a coach and a consultant. I've, I've, I've hired or brought in a hundred plus people to this industry. And I've coached and consulted with so many that have really seen a high level of success. And I want to, I want to, I want to give that to anybody that's a part of us. And, and that's also what I built on the outside. That's why I wrote the book. And I, develop strategies that could help anybody in any business. Right. So, All right. Yeah. That I, I mean, it's, it's certainly, I, I told you before you even started recording that, I mean, it was, it was hard looking at, all the information that you got out there to really kind of wrap a bow around, you know, everything that you do. And it's, it's so many different facets of even life, you know, the, the whole idea, but so you mentioned the word mentor just a minute ago or coach. And so I, we love to just have a, just a tiny segment in each of our interviews where, where the guest is the mentor. It's kind of the ment our mentor moment. So tell me two things that you think would help somebody that is kind of, you know, considering stepping out on their own, you know, starting their own gig, doing their own business, whatever it is, but just two things that just really come to mind. You think I, if I would have known this when I started, they would have, it would have been game changing for me. So 
there's there's uh, one big thing that stands out that still is very evident in business to me, and I don't like it. And it's called transaction versus relationship business. Mm. Transactional business is what people do when they shake your hand and they they and they look you in the eye, and it's uncomfortable and awkward, and they're trying to follow what Dale Carnegie said. And, and, and some class they took, and they really don't give a darn whose hand they're shaking or who they're learning from. They're just trying to take from the world. They're mm-hmm. not giving the world anything. So transactions is looking at every single person and interaction as a transaction. And I don't like that. And I've never believed in that. But there are times in my life early on where I definitely felt like maybe I lost sight that relationships were the way of, of what I do and what I do great. And the longer I did this in the industry, the longer I learned. And if I'm mentoring anybody, the first thing I'm teaching them is you're building relationships. Every relationship is designed to build the next level, the next catapult of something better. And you, and you need to leave every one of them in a pretty good spot. You don't need to, if it's a transaction, you don't care what you say online. You don't care how you say it. The second thing is, I think you have to be, you have to be willing to be confident enough to fail. I, I have never been scared um, of, of failing. I'd rather go do it. In fact, I have partners, I have business friends, I have other entities and things that I'm a part of where, you know, my really, really analytical friends will say, Scott, we, uh, we want you to, to, to not just be willing to do it to see if it works. We want you to actually lay out how it's going to work. And I say, well, well, hypothesis is, is all about what all we're really going into anything with, right? It's the thought that this is what I think it's going to do. Most people just try it. Hmm. Nike's tagline is not just try it. It's just do it. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason is, you know, you got to have the confidence and, and the fear of failure has to separate from you when you're doing that. And each failure is just a learned lesson. It's just a cost that you're paying for your education to get better at what you're doing. Uh, those are two really, really good, uh, I guess, nuggets, mentor nuggets there that you, you've left us with. And I, as, we, as we wrap up today, I mean, I could, I could continue to ask you questions all day long, but as we wrap up today, and I want to honor your time as well, but um, if this is this is not the way I normally end our interviews, but I, as you were just talking, I'm just kind of a thought just came to mind. I I would really like, based on who you are and what I perceive you to be, who are who I perceive you to be, I want you to speak from the heart to our guests right now. If you had whatever, this is your platform. This is your way to wrap this up. Just speak from the heart as a as a business owner and just leading our guests to Freedom Street. What would you say? You know, I think you have to define what lights you up in the world. What are the things that really, really make you happy and excited and passionate, you know, and, and, and then move towards those things. You, Rising Tide Startups is about, is about creating something. Entrepreneurs create something. They start it, but you got to finish it. An entrepreneur also has to close in order to be successful, I, I can't tell you how many people introduce themselves as entrepreneurs. You're not doing anything if you're not making a living. Mm. So here's how I'll end it from the heart. Zig Ziglar said, there's three things that you have to do if you want to be successful in a business. Number one is you have to help people. If you're helping people, that then you've got a business. Number two is you got to turn a profit. It's not about just giving it away. 
It's actually making money. If you're not making money, you're nothing in the business. You are just giving your time away. And number three is you must serve something bigger than yourself. For me, it's been God. For some people, it's a, a spiritual uh, being, whatever it may be for you. If you are the only thing you're serving, it's an empty world. If you do those three things, you will be, you will never have to chase money. Money will be chasing you your entire career, your entire life. And most of all, you'll love, you'll love what you're doing and you'll be making the world a better place because you're making something worth it for other people and you're helping them. And I, I just think that right there is, is something that, that everybody should hear. And if you've got an idea, you're just, you're, you're thinking about stop trying things in life. Just do it, do it. See what I did there? I sucked out extra mentor moments in, in that last question. We got we got five for the for the price of two. And man, what a way to wrap up today, Scott. I, I really appreciate you just taking the time today. It's been a pleasure to to take our 30 minutes and and uh, just really expand on the idea of, of Freedom Street being more than you know a financial services business business that really is a lifestyle and legacy platform, you know, that you've created and and uh, impacting so many lives. And just, I appreciate you taking the time and just want you to have a great weekend. And thanks again for just playing your part and helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Scott, thanks again. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate you. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.